welcome pewter report readers viewers and listeners to a brand new edition of the pewter report podcast energized by celsius the official energy drink of pewterreport.com it is a thursday edition of the show which means we are that much closer to bucks regular season football we have a action-packed show today Kalijah Cansey returned. We'll talk about that later. Mike Evans spoke publicly for the first time about the ultimatum, the line in the sand on his contract extension. And we are lucky enough to have a Vikings writer on today's show to learn a little bit more about the opponent that the Buccaneers are playing against today. So the title of this episode is How Much Have the Bucks and Vikings Changed This Year? We are joined by Will Raggett of uh, Inside the Vikings on Sports Illustrated. He's also on the podcast, Purple Insider Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is Adam Slavon. But, Will, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, yeah. Our pleasure. Adam, busy day at the uh, at the building. It really was. Uh, a lot of press conferences and uh locker room section of the day and obviously Kalijah Cansey is back and excited to dive into that a little bit later in the show but also hearing Mike Evans for the first time really interesting what he had to say about his contract and maybe getting a new one yeah we'll get to that on the uh later half of the show we'll make some predictions as well for the big game that coming up this Sunday but well first before we dive into Bucks against Vikings, first game of the season. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do with your coverage in the Vikings and uh, all that good stuff where they could find you on social media? Yeah, I'm on on X or, or formerly known as Twitter. Whatever it at, is now, yeah. At, at Will Raggetts. Um, find all my coverage uh, inside the Vikings on SI.com. And yeah, it's, it's I'm going into my fifth season now. It feels like it's it's kind of flown by, but. It's fun. I was just out at the Vikings facility today. Um, Justin Jefferson, I think he's going to speak every Thursday, it seems. Um, and he talked today. I mean, you, you brought up Mike Evans. Justin Jefferson also has kind of a contract situation yeah. where um, he's only three years into his career, but he's eligible for the extension for the first time now. Like the Vikings don't have to do it because he's got one more year of rookie deal and then another one with the fifth year option. And then I guess you could like tag him after that. But if you're the Vikings and you want to keep this dude around for a really long time with, with what he's accomplished in three years. So the price might only go up if they don't get something done by Sunday. So that's been kind of a interesting thing to follow. TJ Hawkinson's deal got done. Yeah. Um, like last week, they, they, they made it work to keep Daniel Hunter around this year. So they've gotten most of the things taken care of. The last step that we're kind of tracking here in Minnesota is if they get Jefferson done before Sunday. Yeah, we've kind of learned from the Bucks. They've been a little quick. I mean, Mike Evans aside, they've been quick to give guys contract extensions. Vita Vea, they did it towards the end of last season or two seasons ago, and that was super important for them. And the Bucks have to decide on a lot of guys too, whether it's Mike Evans, Devin White wants a new deal, Tristan Wirfs is coming up next season, Antoine Winfield Jr., which I'm sure a lot of Vikings fans are familiar with as well between his dad yeah. and um, him playing at the University of Minnesota as well. But, Will, let's get it started. I, I think what's really interested about this matchup between the Bucks and the Vikings, in, in different situations, there's been a lot of turnover on both sides. I think for the Vikings more specifically, obviously Dalvin Cook isn't there anymore. He's with yep. the New York Jets, mm -hmm. and I grew up a Jets fan, so uh, I don't hate seeing that. 
Uh, defensively as well, there's been some changes on the back end. So offensively, how much do you see this unit really changing with Dalvin not in there and, and Madison being the top guy? Yeah, it's so defensively, it's a total overall new coordinator, a lot of new players, all that. Offensively, it, it's more of they want to evolve a little bit and just kind of continue to find different ways to attack defenses. But it's going to be a pretty similar look. Um, they moved on from Dalvin Cook, which he's a huge name. Um, he's been one of the best running backs in the league, four-time Pro Bowler. But if you look at his advanced metrics last year, he, he wasn't particularly efficient. And neither was Alexander Madison, to be fair. It was more of a kind of run blocking and maybe just a scheme issue with the Vikings run game last season. But I don't think it's going to be too much different. The Vikings are pretty confident that Madison can step in and, and maybe not be peak Dalvin Cook. He doesn't have that same kind of home run breakaway speed, but he can be close to that player. We've seen in the past when Madison would play, when Cook would be banged up, he's put up quite a few 100-yard games filling in as the start. It's different to do that over a whole season, but they're confident in him. They brought in um, an acquisition that many people outside of Minnesota probably don't know about is uh, Josh Oliver, a former tight end with the Ravens, who's one of the best run-blocking tight ends in the league. That was the Vikings' first free agent signing this year, which kind of tells you that they are focused more on on prioritizing the run this year. They were one of the most pass-heavy teams in the league uh, last season. So Kevin O'Connell wants to be more balanced. He wants to be able to load up in heavy personnel and run out of that, be able to pass out of that as well. And then, obviously, they drafted Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison in the first round out of USC, which gives them another weapon on the outside when defenses are focusing on Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. So kind of talking about, uh, you mentioned Jordan Addison. You also have KJ Osborne to fill that role of the second wide receiver after letting Adam Thielen go. Thielen was solid for much of his Vikings tenure, really emerged as really solid, maybe one of the best wide receiver twos in the NFL. How do you think the offense kind of tries to fill that void with both of them? Yeah, it's Thielen is a, a Minnesota legend. The dude yeah. um, went to a small school uh, in Minnesota, D2. He got signed as a rookie tryout. It's a great story. And he was at his peak in 2017, 2018, just an unbelievable wide receiver too. The compliment was Stefan Diggs, um, unbelievable hands, route running, all those things. Last year, the last couple of years, it wasn't the same Adam Thielen. So I don't really look at it as, as a void they need to fill. I think Jordan Addison can come in right away and be an upgrade uh, from Adam Thielen. Just with what I've seen uh, from watching Addison in training camp practices. I mean, this dude... He's he's as advertised. He's legit with his route running, his ability to create separation, the hands, the body control. He had a catch uh, on the sideline in a preseason game that the refs ruled out of bounds, but he got both toes down. He did, did the Chris Carter uh, toe drag swag on the sideline. So I think Addison, I, KJ Osborne, you're right. Is He's still going to be very involved. The Vikings love what he brings to their offense out of the slot as a run blocker, especially. Uh, Addison is 175 pounds. He's not really built to be a great run blocker just yet, but you're going to see both of those guys on Sunday. And I think over time, Addison's got a chance to become a really, really good number two for the Vikings. What were some of the biggest adjustments that you saw once Kevin O'Connell kind of took over this team? Cause the bucks are in a, in a, in a spot where they have a completely new offense coming in. Like how long, I mean, obviously the Vikings got off to a, a great start last season, how long did it for you just watching? Did it really take for this team to click? I know they were in a ton of close games, but just curious about that. Yeah, it's something they've talked about a lot this offseason. Like 
an underrated thing, an underrated reason that they are confident in, in their offense this season is just being in year two of O'Connell's system. Like Kirk Cousins talked about last year, I mean, midway through the season, he's still learning certain things and not fully comfortable with where Kevin O'Connell wants him to go on this play. Or, you know, there, there's complex um, playbook stuff, uh, protection schemes, route nuance, like all of this stuff. The player said last year it was a really tough playbook to learn when, when O'Connell came in and, and installed this offense. So I just think the second season in this offense, just everyone from Kirk Cousins as the quarterback to O'Connell himself as the play caller to the offensive line to Justin Jefferson, Alex Madison, whoever it is, they're just going to be more comfortable. I mean, TJ Hawkinson came over last year as a midseason trade with the Lions. Now he's yeah. got a full offseason under his belt. So it's not a super different offense if you just look at the pieces. I mean, Minor tweaks. Addison's the big one. Um, Josh Oliver is an underrated one at tight end. But I just think just the comfort level is going to be so much greater that they're going to have an ability to make more adjustments in game confidently. Like last year, the Vikings were so good at the opening script. Kevin O'Connell would dial that up and they'd be up seven, nothing in basically every yeah. game. And you're like, oh, they're going to they're going to roll to a victory. And then they would go through a lull in the second and third quarters where they'd score like three points. And they'd end up in some close game and win in some ridiculous fashion. It was a thrilling season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 11 and 0 in one score games. And they had a negative point differential with 13 wins. But I think, I think this season, the offense can be more efficient because it was top 10 in scoring. But if you look at like EPA per play and DVOA, yeah. it really wasn't that efficient. I think they had to score a lot because they were always in shootouts because their defense was so awful. Um, so I, I, I am confident that in year two of O'Connell, that the offense can be more efficient. We'll uh, we'll get to the defense in just a minute, but a little bit of a side tangent. I'm sure you saw quarterback because obviously uh, yeah. Kirk Cousins was in it. What were your thoughts about Kirk's portrayal in that? Because I think he's become more beloved than he ever was. He was kind of like the nerdy guy, and now people kind of saw his sense of humor. Yeah. Well, he still is the nerdy guy, but I think I think in kind of a lovable way. He's just got this dorky dad vibe that I think is pretty endearing. And he came off well in that show. It was fun to see him last year, um, kind of just the culture that's been a big thing. Kevin O'Connell and, and the GM, uh, Kwesi Dafomenso, who also started last year. They've talked about that a lot. Like the previous regime under Mike Zimmer, just the vibes weren't great. And I think last year kind of allowed Kirk Cousins to just open up a different side of his personality more. You saw all the chains He's shirtless on a post-game flight, rocking <laughs> all of his teammates' chains. Like they called him Kirk Kirko chains and Big yep. Kirko. Just it's just a funny juxtaposition with his really suburban dad uh, vibe. But I think he was portrayed and he, he came off really well in, in the Netflix documentary. And and one thing is you saw how much of a of a beating he took last year. I mean, the, he yes. was hit. He was hit more than any other quarterback in the league. The Vikings' interior offensive line has not changed since then, so they're really hoping for some leaps from from some young players there, but that's absolutely the spot to watch. If you're looking for kind of a exploitable area of concern. Uh, I don't know if Kalijah Kansi is going to play. I think it's, it's, it's good that he probably practiced today, but I mean, Vita Vea against Garrett Bradbury. That's, that's the big kind of matchup in, in Tampa Bay's favor there. What do you think of like the two tackles? So you have Christian Derrissaw and Brian O'Neill really solid tackles, but it sounds like the issues are in the interior of the offensive line. Uh, you mentioned Bradbury, also Matt Ingram. What are your overall thoughts of the offensive line as a whole? Yeah, it, it's, I mean, you said it. It's, they, they have a really, really good tackle duo. 
I think people nationally are, if they haven't already, are going to start to take note even more of Christian Derrissaw this year. This guy was legitimately one of the best left tackles in football last year. He missed a, like three or four games with some concussion issues, which I think kept him from being in that Pro Bowl All-Pro conversation. But you turn on his tape every week, and he is just dominant. He was the Vikings' first-round pick back in 2021. Um, Brian O'Neill on the other side is on a big second contract. He's really, really solid at right tackle. Coming off an Achilles injury, but he should be good to go for this game. It's the interior. I mean, Ed Ingram uh, was a rookie out of LSU, the right guard last year. He led all offensive linemen, not just guards, all offensive linemen uh, in pressures allowed, according to PFF. Uh, just had a rough rookie season in pass protection. The Vikings still believe in his tools, which is why he's still the starter. Um, they they did work out Dalton Reisner, and then maybe we're looking into that, but haven't signed anybody yet. So uh, the interior is the big question mark on the offense. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest question marks because the Bucks have their own at edge rusher right now. Shaq Barrett, when healthy, is one of the most talented guys. I mean, everyone remembers his 2019 season and how important he was in 2020. But he's coming off of an Achilles injury, which is one of the toughest injuries to come back from and obviously had a worst possible turmoil that you could have in the offseason. And then on the other side, Joe Tryon Shoenka, he's a guy that, you know, he's built like literally the Incredible Hulk. That's what he looks like. But he just hasn't fully put it together. Now, the Bucks have drafted a couple of guys like Yaya Diaby. Um, Anthony Nelson, they just re-signed after they drafted him a couple of years ago. So there are reinforcements there. But I, I, I'm getting the sense that not only do you have to make sure that you get that penetration right from the middle, like whether it's Vita Bay who led the team in sacks last season, but Kirk Cousins, and this is from watching games, the quarterback thing, they really highlighted it too. Kirk, while maybe he might not be the most mobile guy, it seems like he will he will wait till the last possible second, if necessary, not by choice, but if necessary, like he'll stay in that pocket. He'll take those hits. So Yes, it's cliche. You got to get to the quarterback, but sometimes hurries and and making the quarterback scramble can kind of still be as effective. But for Kirk, you have to take him down with the football in his hands, or else he's going to stay in that pocket. And hey, Justin Jefferson might be open somewhere, right? Yeah, he he. I mean, he is kind of an outdated, somewhat type of quarterback in that he just is not going to create outside of structure, outside of the pocket very much. But what he is good at, which is still valuable is throwing out of the pocket and, and moving around subtly in the pocket um, and keeping his eyes downfield. And he's, he's just a tough dude. Like I hope if people took one thing away from, from that Netflix show, it's just Kirk Cousins toughness. And I guess also just how much he cares yeah. um, and, and just is a good teammate and things like that. But it, the toughness, I mean, he's going into his ninth year as a starter. He's never missed a game due to injury. Not one. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was on the COVID list once in 2020, but mm-hmm. um, he he is a tough dude. He will step up in the pocket when pressure is bearing down on him and deliver a throw deep downfield, even when he knows he's about to get popped. And the Vikings would like to, you know, minimize the amount of times that happens because he was clearly in some pain in midseason last year. I think the Bills game and Commanders game kind of in the middle of the year. He was taking a beating. And that's yeah. as tough as he is, that's that's not really sustainable. You don't want to put your quarterback through that, but he will do it. And just kind of talking about the offense as a whole, what do you think their identity is? Do you think it's more after losing Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen, is it more class oriented? Or do you think they try to uh, run the ball with Alexander Madison? Because as you mentioned, when he starts, he has big games. I remember seeing him in fantasy as like 
you got to pick him up this week. Dalvin Cook's out. So where do you think like their identity aligns? Yeah. So last year, I mean, Kevin O'Connell comes from the Sean McVay tree and he used big 11 personnel, three wide receivers. The Vikings just couldn't run the ball at all last year. Like towards the bottom of the league in rushing DVOA, EPA, they were, they were so inefficient with it that they kind of just abandoned it. Um, even having Dalvin cook. So they threw the ball. Uh, I think they were the third most pass heavy team in the league last year. And clearly based on what they did this off season, they don't want a repeat of that. They want to be more balanced they want to be able to run the ball, stay on schedule, get themselves into, you know, manageable down and distances, not not as many second and third and longs as they were in last year, uh, because that just gives you so many more options in the playbook when you're able to do that and you're able to run the ball effectively and then create explosive passing plays out of it. This is still going to be, I would guess, probably a, a top 10 or at least top half uh, team in terms of pass rate and, and throwing the ball because, when you have Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson and KJ Osborne and Jordan Addison, like y- you might as well throw the ball a lot. Um, and, and we still have yet to see Alex, Alex Madison do this for a full season, but they really are. And I, I, I would guess, especially in week one, a home game, um, a, t- a game that they're favored in, they're going to try to establish the run against this Buccaneers team. I feel like we've gone too far without talking about Justin Jefferson enough. Uh, we spoke to co-defensive coordinator Larry Foote today that said that he's a silky route runner. I was like, huh, silky. You don't you don't hear that too much of a description a of a route runner, but I kind of do have to agree with it. A couple things with Justin Jefferson, and then I got another question about uh, Hawkinson. Just seeing him up close and personal, what makes him so special as a wide receiver? And there's a great matchup with Justin Jefferson, presumably it'll be up against Carlton Davis. Carlton loves these one-on-one matchups against top receivers. He went up against Justin Jefferson last year. Oh, sorry, not Justin Jefferson, his LSU teammate, Jamar Chase, when they played the Bengals. And that was a great matchup for Carlton. Got the better of Chase in that one, even though the Bengals ended up winning. Um, Could we see Jefferson, not that Carlton's going to shut down Justin Jefferson, because nobody can. Uh, yeah. But could we see the Vikings using Jefferson in the slot a little bit just to move him in, in other areas and probably more specifically than anything else, the slot corner is very important to the Bucs and they have a, not only a rookie, but a undrafted rookie free agent out of Rutgers, Christian Izzy, and he's going to be playing that spot. And I can't think of a more lopsided matchup than Justin Jefferson against a undrafted rookie free agent starting at nickel. Yeah. I- the Vikings, I think, will, will move Jefferson around some. Uh, I, I would guess it's not going to be too much. I don't think they're really too concerned about any any cornerback he might be facing. Yeah. Um, he's going to be primarily that that X receiver with Osborne in the slot. They also they use TJ Hawkinson a lot in the slot. Um, like he doesn't line up. He can line up as an inline tight end. But part of the reason they brought Josh Oliver in is to be the guy who lines up as the inline tight end. And then you can have uh, Jefferson and Addison or Osborne. Uh, on the field with Hawkinson out wide in the slot. Um, so that kind of gives you another, maybe a, a mismatch uh, against if it's against a linebacker or a slot corner or whatever it is. They, they like what Hawkinson can do there. As for Jefferson, I mean, he's just one of those guys you watch in your every day, every day in training camp. You're like, this guy's the best player on the field. I mean, he's just, he's just special. Uh, he's, he's one of those guys that it really feels like if he's able to stay healthy, I mean, he's going to end up being in the discussion for the greatest receivers to ever play the game. And, and you look at the, the three seasons he's had so far, and, and that backs that up. I mean, 1,400 yards. 
out of nowhere as a rookie. He didn't even start the first two games of that that year, yeah. the COVID year, wow. no preseason. Uh, blew up in week three against the Titans and just and didn't look back. Second year, he ups it and goes for 1,600 yards, 10 touchdowns. And then last year, Kevin O'Connell comes in and you're like, can, can he really – you know, keep elevating, and he puts up 1,800 yards, like the sixth highest single-season total ever, admittedly with a 17th game, and wins Offensive Player of the Year. And now it's like, can he do it again? Because if he does it again, he might get 2,000 yards. So he – and the, the crazy thing is, like, I wouldn't be remotely surprised if he did it. I No one's ever done it, but Jefferson is not a guy that you can really take away. If you're a defense, you can double him, you can bracket him, you can use safety help over the top. He's still going to – put up yards because he's that good. Kirk Cousins trusts him in contested situations. He's an unbelievable route runner, unbelievable hands, unbelievable in contested catches. I mean, you throw it in his area and he will go up and get it, which is why a lot of Vikings fans were frustrated that Kirk Cousins with the season on the line in the yeah. wild card round last year, checked it down to Hawkinson on fourth and eight and didn't give Jefferson a chance. Cause I was at the game last year against the bills when everybody Man, saw the catch, catch he, he made there. I was about um, to say, I was about to say not to cut you off, but I still don't know how he made that catch. I guess it's, that was it's better ridiculous. than OBJ's catch. Yeah, I mean the only way it worked is because the Bills DB like caught the ball as, and then Jefferson was able to kind of rip it away from him. As yeah, but I, it's it's just one of those absurd things that you're like, I don't know if there's anybody else on the planet who makes that catch. So he is unbelievable. He is going to be the focus of the Vikings offense every single week. Um, and to, but to the extent that defenses do really sell out to say, let's make anybody other than 18 beat us. Well, that's why you have TJ Hawkinson. That's why you drafted Jordan Addison. Like the Vikings have some secondary options that they can go to, uh, that they feel makes this whole thing uh, pretty balanced. I just want to say, talking about Jefferson, uh, I think Mike Evans said it best today when uh, Justin Jefferson's already one of the best wide receivers of all time. And when you look at the Vikings, and if you were to build a Mount Rushmore of wide receivers, you have the Chris oh, Carter, look. Randy Moss, Justin Jefferson. Like, I don't think insane. anybody, I don't think there's any franchise historically that can beat it. I mean, yeah. Randy Moss, Chris Carter, you probably throw like Anthony Carter. That's a, that's a deep cut. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but he's up, somebody like him's up there. Um, and then Jefferson's obviously up there. You could maybe put Thielen in as well. It's it's a it's a rich history um, at the uh, at the wide receiver position. Yeah, that's uh, it'd be tough to argue uh, against that for sure. Just like it'd be pretty tough to argue that the best energy drink around, of course, is Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. They have so many different flavors. Their newest one is the Cosmic Vibe, which is a sparkling fruit punch. Can't go wrong with any flavors, though, whether it's the sparkling lemon lime, the sparkling uh, orange. I'm a big fan of the Arctic vibe. That's my personal favorite. I'm sure a lot of people in Minnesota would like the Arctic vibe, given the uh, the weather, how it gets there in the winter. Um, if you need to know where to find a Celsius energy drink, go to the Celsius store locator on their website. You punch in your address, and it'll tell you the closest geographical location where you could find one. It's your local Walmart, Target, health and fitness store, 7-Eleven. Or your bodega, as Scott Reynolds likes when I say that. And then uh, if you want to start getting it in bulk, because as I said, there's so many awesome flavors, get that variety pack because variety is the spice of life. That's when you go over to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save. You can have it sent to uh, your residents every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Of course, no sugar, no post-energy drink jitters or crashes that you might get with somewhere else. So make Celsius your 
number one pick. All right, well, let's talk about the uh, the Vikings defense. I think there's probably been a little mo- bit more of a, a turnover on that side, both in the secondary and at linebackers specifically. But one of the first things that really popped out to me was the uh, the Vikings defense being vulnerable stopping the run. And I feel like this is so interesting. I think it was like 123 yards per game last season, if uh, if my math was correct. But it's so interesting because the Bucs were dead last in running the football this season. But you bring in Dave Canales, who's putting so much more of an emphasis on running the football with Rashad White as the clear-cut RB1 for this team. And they're moving to a zone-blocking scheme, which will help out a lot of guys. Um, How do you think the Vikings will improve this season? Obviously, getting Davenport from the Saints is a is a big one for them but uh, what are your thoughts on the on the vikings defensive line specifically stopping the run yeah it'll be interesting to see because this is going to be an entirely different defense this season i mean last year ed donatel was their coordinator tried to run a a fangio style scheme was really passive they didn't really make adjustments and and they they got they got destroyed i mean they gave up a ton of yards near the bottom of the league uh and so this this year, they, they fired Donatel. They brought in Brian Flores, former Dolphins head coach, who's yep. going to run a much more aggressive scheme. He's going to blitz the heck out of people. Um, he's just going to try to force the issue and kind of have that be the identity. And it, that, that makes for kind of a high-risk, high-reward. Like, they can get after people, and I think they will, uh, and create some big plays. But they're also going to be vulnerable. When, when you blitz and you're out of position, you can give up big runs, and you can – give up quick hitting passes that turn into big gains after the catch and, and things like that. So uh, as for the defensive line, I mean, it's, it's not a strength, I would say, especially on the interior Harrison Phillips, uh, the nose tackle is a solid player, but the rest of the defensive line, they lost Alvin Tomlinson um, to Cleveland. He was a really good defensive tackle. They've just got some kind of random guys in the middle there, uh, which is a little suspect on the edge. uh, Daniel Hunter is a stud Marcus Davenport, uh, has been kind of injury prone, but if he stays healthy, I think he has a chance to have a, have a nice season. So those guys should be helpful in, in kind of setting the edge and stopping the run. But I think up the middle, um, especially with some new linebackers in there, they, they, Eric Hendricks was one of the many guys defensively they moved on from. It, it, it's a question mark I have for sure how, how well they'll be able to stop the run. And you mentioned Brian Flores. I think that's a big X factor here because last season, I really think he learned a lot and. Pittsburgh playing or coaching under uh, Mike Tomlin, uh, one of the best like defensive minded coaches and one of the best NFL coaches out there. And you mentioned Eric Hendricks. How do the Vikings go about maybe replacing him? Because he was a staple up the middle for their defense for nearly a decade and just kind of moving on from him. I know they also have Ivan Pace, the rookie who made it onto the 53 man roster, who really takes over that position. Yeah, so Ivan Pace is a fun story as an undrafted rookie out of Cincinnati. He had a great training camp in preseason. He's not going to be the starter right away. Uh, Brian Asamoah was a third-round pick out of Oklahoma last year. He's kind of a similar, uh, a little bit undersized, rangy, sideline-to-sideline linebacker. He's he's a fun prospect for the Vikings in his second season. He had a play late last year against the Giants where Daniel Bellinger caught a ball, and he just stripped it out and picked it up kind of all in one motion. And that's just showed the flashes of what uh, the Vikings think Asamoah can be. Jordan Hicks is a longtime veteran, former Eagle, Cardinal. Um, he's still he's still there as one of the inside linebackers. So 
Um, it's not necessarily a position I would call a, a clear strength right now. Maybe the only one on the defense would be at, at edge rusher. But, uh, yeah, a lot of turnover. I mean, Eric Hendricks is gone. Patrick Peterson was their top cornerback last yeah. year. He's he's gone. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson, Zadarius Smith. They lost a lot of starters from last year, which, like, they, they're losing some proven veterans. But also, at the same time, when your defense is that bad, like, I don't, I don't know how bad it is to, <laughs> to cycle through and, and bring some new guys in. Um, Byron Murphy Jr. was their big offseason pickup, as well as Davenport, um, the former Cardinals cornerback, who they really like. He's, he's played four seasons, but he's still just 25 years old, so he can play inside and out. Um, but the, the linebackers, I think Asimov has, has a bright future uh, and, and is definitely somebody to watch in this game as he kind of steps into that starting role for the first time. Will, I really enjoyed your article that uh, you put up recently. It's titled Five Big Minnesota Vikings Questions Ahead of the 2023 Season. And uh, the one I enjoyed reading the most was number four, where your question is, will the cornerback play be a disaster? And you just mentioned the departure of uh, Patrick Peterson, who is, you know, an all-time corner, even getting up there in age for for the NFL, not in actual age. Um, So... Is this just a is this a game where Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin are are going to just clean up based on the, the competition they're going against? How do you see that playing out? Yeah, I would say so. On the other side of the ball, I identify Vitavea against the Vikings' interior offensive line as the biggest uh, mismatch favoring Tampa Bay. Uh, when they're on offense, that's it for sure. It's it's the wide receivers yeah. to establish. I don't know if they're still top 10, but at least like top 15 wide receivers going against a, a really unproven secondary. And Byron Murphy Jr. is the one guy in the entire cornerback room who like has any experience at all. Um, he's going to be uh, out wide when there's two corners on the field, and then he'll probably move into the slot in nickel because that's where the Vikings see him um, at his best. So that puts a lot of pressure. The other two starters – Guys, you may not have heard of. I don't know. Caleb Evans is a second-year yeah. guy. He was a fourth-round draft pick last year. He actually did show some flashes. He's he's a really good like size, speed, just physical traits guy, um, but raw and only played in like two or three games last year, and then had had some concussion issues. And then the other starter is a rookie third-round pick, Makai Blackman out of USC. Uh, the Vikings' top two draft picks, Addison and Blackman, were both out of USC. Uh, Blackman had a, had a really nice training camp, but I mean, again, it's, it's a rookie. He's a third round pick. We haven't seen him play. Uh, he played a little bit in the preseason. So I, I don't really know what to expect there. He's a little undersized as well. So against Godwin or Evans, I'm not sure how well that goes. And you know, these guys are going to be just kind of thrown into the fire here. It's a good first matchup to see where they're at. And this is, this team's going to be playing a lot of man coverage because that's how Brian Flores does it. It'll be a lot of cover one, cover zero and, bring in pressure. So the key for the Vikings is how do you help out your young cornerbacks? You put pressure on Baker Mayfield and you don't give them a lot of time to throw the ball or for routes to develop downfield. If the Bucks are able to pick up those blitzes and, and give Baker some time to, to survey the field, uh, it, it could be a, a difficult day for the Vikings young corners. I think when you mentioned the Vikings defense, you'd be remiss to not talk about Harrison Smith, uh, one of the safeties. Yeah. Maybe one of the most underrated players in the NFL throughout his career. Last season at age 33, he had five interceptions. Well, that may not be the case in his age 34 season. He's still going to be productive. And as you mentioned, talking about trying to 
uh, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin out there on the young corners, Harrison Smith, he's going to be vital for the defense and being able to apply some big zone coverage and maybe even double team uh, some of those receivers. What are your impressions of Smith uh, this season? Yeah, I mean, Harrison Smith is just kind of the consummate pro and leader. He's a Vikings longest tenured player. They drafted him all the way back in 2012, like three coaching staffs ago. Uh, and he's just still, he's been doing it at a high level for a decade. I think, I mean, I think people in Minnesota may be a little biased, but I think he's got a shot to, to be a Hall of Famer if he can put together another two to three years of high level play. Last year tied his career high with five picks. He's just, he, he's in 2017, he was like a first team all pro, maybe the best safety in the league because he had the peak athleticism and just unbelievable um, kind of awareness and anticipation, all these things. He doesn't have that anymore at age 34, the first part, the physical part, but he's still, he's every year. I mean, he just, he sees more and he experiences more and he learns more. Um, and so he has such a deep catalog of playing the, the safety position and, and just the football IQ and the ability to read offenses and, and, and snuff things out. He is just an unbelievable player. He's had a great career and he's, he's still like one of the best players on this Vikings defense, even at age 34 this season. I think Daniel Hunter would be the guy I would say is number one. And then Harrison Smith's right in that conversation as number two, as the second best player on this defense. So yeah, they, the thing is about this Brian Flores defense, they're going to use Smith in a lot of different ways. Last year under Ed Donatel, he was kind of just relegated to being a deep half safety. And you know, he, that worked well. He got, you got some interceptions out of it, but I think when Smith is at his best, you're using him, you're disguising him, you're bringing him up into the box and then dropping him back, or you're at the last minute bringing him on a blitz or having him line up on the edge, just doing a bunch of different things and taking full advantage of the the versatility that he provides. Uh, shout out to everybody in the comments, by the way. Uh, a lot of a lot of great stuff in the chat, as Hans Pennyloaf says. He's definitely been a ball hawk safety for a long time now. Will, you've been very gracious with your time, so we really appreciate it. I just have a Two quick questions real quick, and Adam, if you want to chime in as well. Um, now we've talked about both sides. Just curious, looking at this matchup, is there any X factor or any one-on-one -on -one type of matchup that you're looking at specifically for this game? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few. I feel like covered a few of them. And the Vikings interior offensive line, they really need to just hold up decently against Vea. Um, I think the wide receiver cornerback stuff when when the Bucks have the ball is a big one. Um, I don't know. I think the Vikings need to get get the running game going with Alex Madison. You know, special teams can always uh, play yep. a role in these things. And uh, Greg Joseph, the Vikings kicker, missed more kicks than anybody in the NFL last year. But he also yep. hit a bunch of game winners and and long field goals. So um, I don't know. I don't know that there's one that really uh, jumps out that we haven't kind of touched already but uh i'll be i'll be really curious to see what the vikings defense looks like in the first game under brian flores i imagine their blitz rate will be in the 40 percent range uh like it often was with uh, flores dolphins team so um it's it's gonna be exciting to watch uh, uh there's just the great thing about week one is just there's so much that you know we've been talking about in training yeah. camp and preseason <laughs> and analyzing and and now you finally get to get to see it happen Adam, anything one, from you? Yeah, uh, one question. I kind of just want to get your thoughts. So besides the NFC South, which is a division we cover, the division I'm most curious about is the NFC North because the Rodgers factor is gone. He no longer owns the NFC North. He's going over to the AFC now. 
And with the Lions being emerging, a lot of talk about them. Uh, obviously, the Bears with Justin Fields are getting a lot of hype. How do you see the NFC North this season kind of shaking out with four teams? And it's a really wide open race. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it is it's it's wide open. I mean, you wouldn't think that when the Vikings won 13 games last year and won the division by like four games. But, well, you look at the, the point differential and I think everybody understands that uh, regression is probably coming to some extent in, in the close game department. What the Vikings are going to try to do is just be better and improve on both sides of the ball so they're not in all those one-score games and leaving that up to to random bounces. Um, I'd, the the national kind of narrative, and, and this is reflected in, in Vegas lines, and they're, they're sharp, uh, yeah. is that the Lions are kind of the, the heavy favorite. Not, not heavy, but they're the clear favorites. I just... I don't know. Personally, I just don't know if I buy it. I I like a lot of the things the Lions do with Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, just it's a talented team. They they played really well in the second half of the year. I, I get it. They beat the Vikings in Detroit pretty handily. Uh, but it just it's the Lions. I don't know. They haven't won the NFC North ever. They the last won the division in 1993 when it was the NFC Central and the Buccaneers were still in it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it was 30 years ago. So I just want to see it happen before I really buy in. Uh, and we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Like We'll see tonight against the Kansas City Chiefs if this Lions team is for real. I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical. I think they deserve probably to be the favorites, but I think people are writing off the Vikings a little bit too much. I'm bullish on year two of Kevin O'Connell's offense. Brian Flores being a massive upgrade at defensive coordinator and just kind of the star talent that this Vikings team has. But also, I'm not totally overlooking Green Bay. What if Jordan Love's good? That mm. roster is really yeah. good. I mean, defensively, uh, offensive line, all these things. Even Chicago, I think, is is clearly the, the last place team in terms of perception coming in. But what if Justin Fields takes that leap and, in addition to his running, is throwing the ball like he did at Ohio State? They got some pieces, too. They're still early in the rebuild, but... It's it's pretty wide open, which which will make for a fun season. I'm with you on the Lions, man. And Adam, you can you can vouch for me. I was saying it today at yeah. the Bucks facility. I was like, everyone's so high on the Lions that I don't, there's almost I don't too much of an it. expectation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last we'll one. We'll say Jameer good. Jameer Gibbs, the running back. He's going to be really good, and how they use him kind of as a running back and wide receiver. But but I agree. But to pick a running back twelfth. And then, yeah, and, the then a, and then an inside linebacker, Jack Campbell, 18th. Like, I don't understand their draft. They had so much premium capital. And I just felt like they used it in some some strange ways. But we'll see, I guess. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it definitely was eyebrow raising when they took a running back then. Uh, last one for me. Just you want to give a prediction on the game? Feel free to uh, share your thoughts on who's going to win. Yeah, so week one. Nothing would surprise me in this game. Well, I guess a, a Bucks blowout would surprise me a yeah, little bit. But me too. Um, the Vikings losing would not particularly surprise me. They really can't afford to lose. Their next three games are at Philly, home for the Chargers, uh, and home for the Chiefs. Oh, so oh no. They, um, or no, sorry. The Chiefs are week. Chiefs are in week five, but that's three of their next four games. Um, but yeah, it's this. The schedule is pretty loaded up front, so they really need to win this game. I do think they will. I think just the atmosphere in U.S. Bank Stadium, it's a, it's a pretty special home field advantage. The crowd can get really into it. I like the Buccaneers roster. I really do. I mean, the, yeah. the defensive pieces, I think the wide receivers. But 
some losses on the offensive line. I think the Ryan Jensen injury and and losing Donovan Smith. And you guys obviously know more about the O line in Tampa than I do. I that worries me a little bit. And then the, just the thing it comes down to is Baker Mayfield yeah. and just having watched him last year with Carolina and the Rams. I just I think he can. I think he's going to have a tough time against the pressure looks that Brian Flores brings. Daniel Hunter having a big game. Um, I, I see the Vikings winning this one by by ten or so. Oh, so you see the Vikings covering the spread of six? I, I think the Vikings will cover. I, I do because I think once they kind of once they are able to get up and you know force the Buccaneers into some some clear passing situations, that's when Flores can really let the pressure loose. The building just gets it's impossible to hear anything in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that'll help the Vikings and they can, with a positive game script, they can really lean on Alex Madison in the run game. Yeah. I think Baker, obviously the, the bucks are trying to recreate the magic that Dave Canales had with Seattle of, um, you know, Geno Smith reviving his career. It's definitely a quarterback friendly offense. I think they're going to get Baker moving a lot and he tends to throw a little bit better on the run. He was, Dead on accurate uh, in the preseason for what it is. I understand it's the preseason. So, yeah, a lot of this definitely rides on, on what Baker Mayfield can do in this offense because the Bucks have the talent. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, yeah. Rashad White, they definitely do. But it will be uh, so interesting to watch this Sunday because there's a lot of mystery on both sides. Bucks offense, Vikings defense, a lot of, uh, a lot of unanswered questions uh, going into Sunday's game. But, Will, we can't thank you enough for joining yeah. the show this afternoon one last time just tell everybody that's watching where they can find you on social media where they can find all of your work because it's a lot of great stuff yeah it's uh si.com slash nfl slash vikings inside the vikings uh and then uh, on social media at will raggets on twitter so uh yeah i'm looking forward to to being in the stadium again on sunday and uh seeing what happens and again i mean it, it would not shock me if uh, the Buccaneers found a way to win this game with the Vikings defensive, just kind of the defense just being an unknown. Um, But I do think they'll find a way to pull it out. But yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on guys. It was fun. Yeah. Anytime. I'd definitely like to have you on again, ladies and gentlemen, Will Raggett's Will. Thanks again for uh, joining the show. Thanks guys. And uh, you heard us talk about the, the spread a little bit beforehand. So it's a perfect time to talk about our, favorite gambling website of course mybookie.ag football season's here it starts tonight with the regular season with the chiefs and the detroit lions uh mybookie.ag also has a uh great online casino it's new and improved and it's here to change the game you could dive into a truly realistic casino experience featuring the latest in slots progressive jackpots and live dealer action all from the comfort of your own home Take advantage of weekly blackjack tournaments and a brand new collection of high-end games for a chance at real cash rewards. Your adventure at the MyBookie Casino begins today with a generous sign-up bonus using promo code PEWTER, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, to secure yourself a sweet deposit bonus. And that's not all, because their revamped loyalty program ensures that you'll be showered with rewards, including free spins, cashback offers, and a host of exclusive VIP perks. The more you play, the more you win. So play anytime, anywhere with the MyBookie Casino. Of course, if you sign up with the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, you can get up to $1,000 with your first deposit bonus. And even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. So check out MyBookie.ag. 
All right, Adam. Uh, great conversation with Will Raggetts. Again, recommend yeah. everybody to uh, check out his work over at Sports Illustrated. We talked a lot about Bucks Vikings, but there was a ton to get into from today's practice and uh, you know post practice availability with Bucks players. For starters, Kalijah Kansi was not just in the building; he was practicing and participating with your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's get to that video. Um, there's no sound to it because there's a lot of music blasting when the Bucks were playing, and uh, we don't really want a copyright infringement. <laughs> so uh, here's Kalijah Kansi moving around. Is he moving well enough to play on Sunday? Well, you can be the judge of it. I believe Yellow Wolf was the first uh, song that was playing. Yeah. The rapper Yellow then Wolf. Then you had some, some Lil Wayne. Yeah. Exactly. So one of the first uh, parts of the video was key as, as he's running. Um, you can see him running towards the back at this one. And I believe this last part of the video, you really got to like zoom in. Yeah, that's Kalisha Kansi moving right there at the end. So yep. seemed to be moving okay. It's just so odd. I mean, he hasn't practiced since July 30th. I can't imagine, even with him returning today, that he's going to be a huge, huge factor in in this matchup. Yeah, um, I did want to say with Kwaja, can't see being back, tell a friend, as uh, yeah. Eminem said back yeah, in the day. he did. But uh, just being limited today, really see him, if he does play on Sunday, kind of being limited and maybe on a snap count. Uh up front, you, as uh, Will mentioned, the uh, interior offensive line for the Vikings, it's going to create a ton of mismatches, hopefully for Vita Vea. Uh, Greg Gaines, he's also a big guy up the middle that can wreak some havoc. So it'll be really interesting to see if they throw Elijah Kansi out there with that favorable matchup. But uh, the excitement for Elijah Kansi can't be understated. Uh, I heard it from Larry Foote today. I've heard it from countless others, including Jason Light, Rondé Barber, uh, just within the past few weeks so seeing him out there will be really exciting because he truly is a first round talent and he's really the crown jewel of this rookie class and the youth movement that tampa bay has undergone yeah i i like that Cancy. at least even when he hasn't been playing he's been out there with the team i feel like he's soaked up a lot of information which is super important um mm -hmm. i think a lot of this is going to hinge on logan hall you know yeah. I think a lot of people wanted more from him. We haven't necessarily seen that just yet. So for Logan, there's going to be a big, big question about that. Mark Fisher has a question. Matt, we brought no one to back up Hainsey. Do your sources say they are comfortable with their depth at center? Well, the Bucks really like Nick Leverett. I personally like Nick Leverett more as a guard than as yeah. a center. So, you know, you never want to run into that situation of getting down to your second or third string center. The Bucks also were of the belief that Jensen was going to be playing this year. So you can only build so much depth if everyone ends up getting hurt. I know we spoke to Cody Malk recently, and he said he's down to play whatever position. Now, I personally would not recommend him <laughs> playing center if something were to happen to Hainsey or, or someone else this season. But yeah, it sounds like Leverett's going to be the guy. There's a couple of other moves that you can do it's a little thin but there's only so much that you can run with 
uh, as Al when says. You, you mentioned Liverpool. uh Cody Mouth. Um, yeah. I just want to say, like, this season he profiles more as a guard, just not being as strong yet. But if he gains some weight and the Bucks like to move around offensive linemen as they enter year two, he really could be that next center if they choose to go that route. I yeah. believe he played it during the senior bowl too, he just did. a little bit. He so did. he's very versatile. So that that's a little intrigue there. Exactly. And that's uh that's kind of like why the Bucks really liked Robert Hainsey in the first place, because he did play everywhere at the senior bowl and then Cody Malk pretty much did the same. And like I said, when I spoke to him in the locker room, he said that he's down. So uh, we'll see what's up with Cody Malk. If you want to manage your money and see what's up with that and do it the right way, you got to be using Immuni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. That's right. Amuni Financial has proudly been serving clients across the country since 1980. So even though they got a spot in Colorado, you can be anywhere. You can be in Tampa. You can be anywhere in the United States. East Coast, West Coast, you could be in Minnesota if you wanted to, if you were maybe traveling to that game to watch the Bucks, or, you know, Kansas City, wherever, where the game's tonight. Rado, Seattle, anywhere, really. Um, let's go, let's go Vermont. Shout out Vermont. We'll, we'll go with that one. But anyway, they got That's advisory true. services, legacy retirement planning, insurance services, annuities, sales, and trading. So give them a call, get a free consultation. And, uh, yeah, just chat with them. Find out how Immunity Financial can benefit you and your money. Now, the other big news coming from practice today, Adam, obviously, was Mike Evans. He spoke publicly for the first time about everything going on with the contract negotiations. Obviously, his agent, Derek Gilmore, gave, uh, gave an ultimatum for the Bucks, which the deadline is due on Saturday. This is everything that Mike had to say about the contract extension, what's up with it, talking with the Bucks, and then also that he's done talking about the contract and is going to focus on the season after uh, he spoke with us earlier today. Yeah, Mike just hit the deadline. I mean, I'm sure y'all read the statement. Uh, obviously, you know, we've been working with them over a year now, trying to you know, get something done. Um, any player in my position would want to be, you know, solidified and secure. Um, but, you know, if the deal's done or not, by the way, we'll be okay, and I'm looking forward to having a great season this year. Do you think there will be a deal done? I don't know. we got a little bit of time left, but uh, you know, we'll see. Um, ownership and management are going to do what they feel is best for the team and the team's future, and I'm going to do what's best for me and my future. And right now, that's just playing some good ball. Do you think it's doable to have you and Chris a long-term contract that, and still be a competitive uh, team here? Absolutely. I think you know, other teams have, have done something similar, mm -hmm. but um, this is my last time talking about contracts. Situations. I'm looking forward to having a great season this year. And, um, you know, whatever happens, happens. You know, I'll be all right. Nah, like I said, I'm, I'm blessed, man. I've been you know, blessed to play this game for a really long time. Made a lot of plays, made a lot of money. You know, it's not even about that. It's just, you know, I'm just happy to be in this position I am. Adam, your thoughts to everything that Mike had to say uh, earlier this, I guess it was technically the afternoon. Yeah, uh, earlier yeah. this afternoon. 
nothing really unexpected from Mike Evans and what he had to say um, in regards to like the process of negotiations between his camp and the Buccaneers. But he is just focused on playing good ball. And Mike is someone that doesn't really he doesn't seem like he wants the headlines. He just wants to go out there and play and really let that do the talking and determining his future as well as the team if they decide to sell out money. But I just want to get into there's so much money that needs to be handed out to the Buccaneers players in the near future. I mentioned it earlier this week, but Antoine Winfield and Tristan Wirfs being in their mid-20s and really hitting their prime, I think they take precedence over Mike Evans at this point in his career. And then obviously you have Devin White and Baker Mayfield potential extensions, depending on how the season goes. But with that, I just for curiosity, I went a pro football reference and I was looking up the top 10 wide receivers and just kind of going through Jerry Rice didn't finish his career with the 49ers. Uh, Torrey Holt, he had eight consecutive 1,000-yard seasons with the Rams. And at age 32, he started to decline. And age 33, he went to the Jaguars. Uh, Randy Moss, uh, Julio Jones, I think is a very good comparable to just some receivers, no matter how productive they are, after a certain point in time, they fall off. And the Bucs are maybe hedging their bets and seeing if Mike will this year. And if it's not this year, how many more years of good football does he have? And would they rather pay Mike Evans or somebody like Chris Godwin, who, again, kind of like that Wirfs Winfield, he's younger. He's not going to be 30 for a couple seasons. Mike mm-hmm. is 30 right now. He's going to be 31 next year. It's just really interesting. I don't think he said anything earth shattering with his comments, but it just makes you wonder if the Bucks don't hit uh, an extension at the deadline, will they? Uh next season i don't know it's really it seems more 50 50 than i previously thought yeah i think mike was coached up pretty well i mean he knew these questions were coming so he knew exactly what to say to them it's just a matter of when the regression will come from mike i don't think it'll be this season i don't even think it'll be next season so at that point is it still worth giving him an extension for this year i think both sides both have points that are are correct and nobody's wrong and i think mike should go and get his money i also think mike's pretty much at peace with it he's ready to focus on the season he's like "Eh, i'll get a contract when i get one you know i think he's just kind of ready to ball out which is which is really cool to see in terms of the hierarchy of like contract extensions and re-signings i think it's tristan Wirfs one winfield two mike three probably baker four but if baker plays really well then he might even bump up ahead of Mike, which is crazy to say. And Devin White last. I don't think White's going to be back after this season. All right, we got a little bit left of the show, Adam. So uh, keep it brief. But what are your predictions for this game? Who's going to win? So I agree with Will that in week one in the NFL season, really anything can happen. Uh, the Buccaneers, I don't think they're going to blow out maybe you know, 38 to uh, 7. But I think it's going to be a close game throughout I think the Buccaneers and their offense is going to surprise the Vikings defense. And with the defense having so many weaknesses, Buccaneers might crack the 20 point total, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I think that they're going to get uh, 24 points. I think the Vikings with Justin Jefferson, her cousins, looks defense is going to have their hands full, but you have Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Antoine Winfield trying to guard those receivers. I think they do a good job of it. I say it's going to be Buccaneers 24 uh, Vikings 20. Interesting you say that because I I think the Bucs are going to cover the spread. I definitely think they do. Um, it's just a matter of 
Like their defense is, keeps them in most games, but I was looking back in the Todd Bowles era, they've actually let up a lot of points over the first couple, uh, over the first games of the season, with the exception of last year against Dallas. But a lot of those were turnovers. I think it's going to be some growing pains with the Bucks offense, but again, they're going to hang tough and you're going to see the signs of what they can do well. So I'm going to take the Vikings in this one, uh, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be 24 to 21 and the Bucks play a game that even though you lost kind of gives you confidence moving forward. There's obviously a lot of matchups that are fun to uh, look at, which of course, if you want to make some picks on that, you can do so at Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania is almost done, but they got a ton of fun in-season games as well, whether it's a $10 million playoff pool, a $5 million regular season. Um, you can do over-unders. You could do rivals. A lot of different things you can do. So uh, sign up with the promo code Pewter at Underdog Fantasy. Get a bonus and start playing. And I'm also happy to announce... I'm going to have a little YouTube series as well, sponsored by Underdog Fantasy, where I'm going to be making some picks uh, on Underdog Fantasy with the over-unders for each Bucks game. So there'll be one out tomorrow for that. I'll tell you who I'm leaning towards. I'll also give some picks in terms of uh, the spread and the over-under in the Bucks game each week. And then also dabble into the rest of the games on the card if there's any spreads or over-unders that I like. So keep on the lookout for that which will be coming up uh, pretty soon you'll see it throughout the season and of course keep a lookout for the pewter game day show which is returning this sunday we're gonna have a live pregame show at 12 noon with the bucks playing at one o'clock uh so pregame show at 12 will be right on our youtube channel just like you watch any other podcast and i'll be on for some live in-game analysis giving me giving my uh, reactions and thoughts and opinions on everything from the game, some insight, uh, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, or awesome, whatever it is, um, you're going to get all of my reactions to that. It's right on our YouTube channel, Peter Game Day Show, presented by Celsius. Uh, I'm going to be doing it all year long. Did it the past couple seasons. It's been a ton of fun, so looking forward to getting into that again where you can find it on our YouTube channel. And of course, if you're not already following us, please do so on our social media at Peter Report for all of our coverage, whether it's on X, also known as Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, uh, YouTube. On YouTube, we're Peter Report TV. We always have content coming out uh, on all of our platforms, especially today with a very busy day terms of uh talking to the players so uh, make sure you're following us on all of that and our youtube channel please like and subscribe we're almost uh we're getting much much closer to 12,000 we're almost at 10,000 followers on instagram so please follow us there as well but that's going to do it for us on this afternoon show for adam slavon i'm matt matera saying thanks everybody for watching we will see you on sunday for the first game of the season. We'll see you on Sunday for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Peter Post Game Show as well. Peace out. Out.